0: The Invictus Mind, episode 86. So trending on Twitter the last couple days has been the story of Joe Rogan and his cancellation of several of his episodes, along with his apology for using what he called the N-word over the course of the last 11 years on his show. Also trending is the Freedom Convoy up in Ottawa, Canada, and how the GoFundMe account set up for them has been frozen in which the assets were not made available to the truckers, leaving them to find alternate sources of income to remain under protest. What do these two stories have in common, you ask? Well, there's a concept that some believe originated in Hollywood and others on Wall Street. Before the kiddies, I'll just censor myself just a little. It's called F.U. money. And that's the amount of money that you possess that allows you to just ignore all the noise and all the threats and all the pressure of anyone telling you what they think or what you should do. Well, I will be sure to get into all of that today. But I first wanted to say welcome back to all the returning listeners of the program. This is the Invictus Mind Podcast, and I, of course, am your host, Mike Corbell. You probably tuned in today and heard some different music and didn't think you were in the right place, but I assure you, you are. I've been playing around with some ideas for a new intro, and I just like this music. I haven't decided if this will be a permanent change or not, but uh, if I have some kind of voiceover to make it final, I just thought this show could use a little change, and, well, this was my first idea. I also want to let everyone know up front that this is another solo episode, so you get to just listen to me and the thoughts I have in my brain today. Of course, last week I had a much longer episode than I normally do, so if you stuck around for that one, I also appreciate it. Speaking of appreciation, I really do appreciate all those who continue to listen to this program, both the old listeners as well as the new ones. It's now been going on three years that I've been playing with this podcast, and although I'm not as prolific as Joe Rogan himself or as consistent as Dave Smith, I do this show because I believe that there are still people out there who need to hear this message. So if you like this show, and whether it's just me by myself or because of the guests I do invite from time to time, then please subscribe to any of your favorite podcast players out there. I'd also ask you to share it with three of your friends. You can find the Invictus Mind podcast on YouTube as well. You just need to look me up by my name, Mike Corbell. I do post all my interviews there as well as some of the other videos I've been working on in my side hustle as a videographer, so you'll have some bonus content there from time to time. Eventually, I will be working up to going live and even having my solo episodes posted on YouTube or whatever media becomes the norm in the future. But for now, you get to just listen to my voice because I don't do my solo shows on YouTube yet. I'm actually in the process of starting to buy a new home with my wife, and eventually I'm going to have my own studio set up and able to do very good videos of myself or whoever else with a custom background and everything on film. Um, right now, it's just a cheesy effect of a blue screen hanging on a wall. As I've mentioned before, that I uh, run this podcast out of my daughter's bedroom and uh, rather than having the Frozen poster show in the background or whatever other drawing she happens to have, I just don't think that that would actually fit the theme of this program. But for now, as I've shared my humble reason for not running this show very consistent and not actually uh, having the greatest setup in the world, I do want to move on and talk about the intent of this show, which is what just an idea it is to have F.U. money. You know, working in the financial services industry for as long as I have, I've met all kinds of people from different, uh, I guess, class backgrounds, if you would. I've met very, very super wealthy people, and I've met people who are uh, heavily indebted and probably don't earn that much money and uh, everything in between. And since I've been in financial services, I've also understood the, the need to diversify my income as a... Uh, You know, the world has changed over the last couple of years. I've felt the need to learn different skills, and I think it's really important to have uh, different projects in the background to kind of see where my interests take me and, and where I should really focus. Do I have fu money? Certainly not, but I've done okay. I will say this, though. I do have something that way too many people in this world do not have, and I'll just say that that's time freedom. You see, within reason, I have the ability to work when I want, to work on what I want, to work with who I want, and pretty much come and go as I want. You know, if things get tough on one area, I can easily shift and focus into another adventure and and not miss a beat. You know, as far as financial freedom can be defined differently from person to person, I uh, I definitely can say I'm working towards that goal. And uh, since I have studied from those who have truly found financial freedom, I will say this. I really don't think it's that hard to achieve, depending on what your goals are, But it does take a certain level of ambition, definitely some discipline, and access to a great network, one that you've built yourself over time perhaps, maybe on social media, but also in your home and in your professional community. So the idea behind what I teach people professionally is that uh, someone can actually set themselves up financially. So they're in a position where they're not struggling anymore and they have a certain level of security and a certain uh, comfort level at home and maybe get to a place where they have a feeling of control over their lives and over their assets instead of debt controlling them. But, you know, if a person's goal is to have so much money that they feel completely empowered to do anything they want without any consequences, then they may be approaching that level of having FU money. You know, that's really kind of a bad word. Not that I'm terribly opposed to swearing or anything, but the term itself did come about in my research when I uh, discovered that some of the screenwriters in Hollywood would get to a point where they had so much influence over the executive producers and directors in the movie studios that they just didn't care whether the movie was any good and they can just write whatever they wanted and it would be turned into a movie. You know, I also heard that the term FU money probably generated on Wall Street by investors who made just so much money that they could eventually just tell their bosses to shove off and uh, no longer have to work for anybody. They had earned so much money that they could not be touched. And that's really probably where uh, the term FU really means today when a person has so much wealth that not even governments can tell them what to do. And people that come to mind are guys like Bill Gates Elon Musk and any number of those billionaires out there that can essentially just buy members of Congress and have them do their bidding. So the other day I posted something on Twitter and uh, it really started a conversation, got me thinking and, and really why I wanted to have this podcast episode today and uh, it, it brought up something that uh, I had a conversation with Mark Claire from Lions Liberty a couple weeks ago. Him and I were talking and uh, he told me that I should talk more about financial freedom on my podcast but do it from a spiritual perspective which of course I have no problem doing but uh, you know this Twitter exchange resulted in me thinking that uh, there is a lot of spiritual overtones in the way people think about money and it really makes a difference on what they do in this world you know some people will take the idea that uh, money is an idol and it, uh, it makes faithful people become corrupt and I, I've heard things like this my whole life I mean if you think back to scriptures, uh, and I'm not going to preach here or anything like that, but uh, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10 reads, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You know, too many people have been assuming that that verse says that money is the root of all evil, that the tangible asset itself is evil. It doesn't say that, though it says specifically that the love of money is a root of all evil. that means that some people have made it become an idol and in doing so they have forgotten the faith and have gone down a trail of sorrows. But this attitude of saying that money is the source of all evils really, in my estimation, hurts people more than it helps them. Okay, so let's just imagine that uh, people are using money as an idol. Let's talk for a second exactly what an idol is. It's actually a representation. And, uh, you know, in the the old days, people would carve idols out of wood or they'd make them out of stone or from brass or some kind of metal, and it acted as an intermediary for a deity. You know, these people didn't exactly believe that the carving itself was their god, but it was a way to connect with their god. And uh, you know these things, these these idols that were made out of brass or out of wood or out of stone, uh, could also be used as tools, just as money itself is a tool. So it's only when people devote their entire existence to acquiring it and worship it and act as though it represents something beyond the measure of what man is possibly able to do, uh, if it acts as a power source that man wouldn't have without, then and only then does money become an idol. Because the love of God is actually interrupted and that idol gets in the way of a relationship between deity and man. So if people place that money in between the, the one they're supposed to worship, then of course that could become an idol and that would cause them to get into trouble. But in reality, money is just a tool. I mean, just like the conservatives will say that guns are tools. And it's actually the people that hurt people, not the guns themselves. It's exactly the same thing with money. Money is a tool, and it can be used for good or for evil. So, you know, I've been reading this book uh, the last week or two that uh, many of my libertarian and Austrian economist uh, friends will like. It's uh, it's called Exposed the Financial Matrix. The author's name is Orrin Woodward. In, uh, in this book, he compares the fiat money system that we're all living under uh, as a system of control, just as if they were in the original movie called The Matrix is a system of control run by computers and machines. Anyway, this book talks in very simple vernacular about how the Federal Reserve System works, the gold standard, centralized banking, and how the financial matrix uses influence of the media and government to pull the wool over everyone's eyes as the money printing machine goes brr. That's the sound it makes. Actually, it really sounds more like uh, keys on a keyboard. Beep, boop, beep, beep. And that's how debt is created. And with that debt, millions of families are actually made into slaves that cannot escape this bondage unless they are rescued. Anyway, the book goes on to talk about uh, uh, some previous systems of control in the past. Uh, He talks about uh, force matrices that have that's the plural of matrix, matrices, I guess. Force matrices. He talks about the physical matrix over labor. And in that, he talks briefly about how slavery was used by the elites to perform labor. He talks about the feudal matrix over land and how the serf system worked, where kings would just uh, basically rent out or own all that property. They rent it out to the serfs, who in turn had to provide the spoilage to the kings. Uh, the financial matrix is exactly the same way; only it's not so obvious that it's coming from the top. But the banking system itself and how it steals millions of dollars from people and and uh, just sets them up for for lives of bondage. So I, you know, I don't really want to get into an entire economics discussion right here. I'll save that in some other episode. But uh, it, this is a great example of money being used as a weapon against people. It's really a combination of force and manipulation. And most importantly, uh, that people have a lack of knowledge of how the money system works leads them to be hurt. So, you know, I look at it this way. There's a saying that if all you have in your toolbox is a hammer, then everything becomes a nail. That hammer, of course, when used correctly, can build great buildings, but it will never unscrew everything that is screwed. No pun intended. The hammer can also be used to beat people over the head, and then that tool becomes a weapon, just like a gun does, and so does money. So money is a tool, or it can be used as a weapon. Unfortunately, in today's world, the, the government and uh, political economic system that we live under, uh, the money system itself is, uh, is weaponized against us. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to break free of that financial matrix uh, I'll get into a couple of ideas here but you know what the book says is that a you know a person can break free from the financial matrix by uh, understanding uh, Robert Kiyosaki's idea of the cash flow quadrant and the distinction of uh, what an entrepreneur is and uh, what an uh, employee is you know some of the same stuff I talked about on my last podcast episode uh, are some of the ways that you can break free of the financial matrix when you have the ability to own your time and to own your resources, you know, uh, to become uh, um, in complete control of your source of income, as, as, as Jason Stapleton would say. But my point in saying all of this is that money itself is important to survive in this world. And, and yes, money can create power. That's not to say that's the only source of power, but it definitely can magnify it and definitely can be used for good or evil. But as a financial planner, uh, I want to be able to teach people how to respect their money and place the proper value on it. And I would do it as if I were teaching people gun responsibility, right? If a person respects their tool, their gun, their money, uh, or anything else, and understands its proper use and understands how to leverage it properly, then the result is more freedom. The ability to not feel strapped by debt, the, uh, to not feel obligated to answer to any employer's will and to have complete uh, you know, freedom of your time. To be able to come and go as one pleases, as they say. That's real freedom. But notice what I did not say is having real power. Now, without a doubt, having more money than having no money will give you more power, but you know I was told that there were really only a few people in this world who really have true financial independence who I would say have real power power more powerful than governments. You know I mentioned before there's people like Bill Gates and and Mark Zuckerberg and and Elon Musk. These people have real power. They have true financial independence. They have that FU money where no one can tell them what to do. You know, you'll see from time to time that Mark Zuckerberg is called to stand before Congress as they try to grill him about censorship on his platform, and he plays ball to a certain degree, but it's become such a facade that what does Zuckerberg do? He actually creates a new company that has probably escaped this oversight and this regulation and and basically told the government to F you. He has more power because with his money, he has uh, generated all kinds of influence around the world. Of course, people like Bill Gates with no background in medicine is going around the world and working with governments to create new vaccinations and medications and things that haven't been proven, but his influence is having a dramatic effect worldwide. His influence, because he does have that F.U. money, now makes him a friend to all governments and he can basically do what he wants, for good or for evil, and I'll leave it there for everyone to decide for themselves which is which as far as that goes. Now, these are a couple of examples of people that may be using their money for evil. Evil, like Dr. Evil from Austin Powers, their plan is to take over the world in some way or to manipulate it to a way that they think is correct, often to continue enriching themselves while people in the lower tiers, the plebs, so to speak, are left feeling pain. But that's not to say that all billionaires are evil. It's like when Bernie Sanders would say that the millionaires and billionaires are the reason for your troubles. I know that's a terrible impression of Bernie Sanders. But, you know, until Bernie became a millionaire himself, he got to point his finger at all the millionaires and billionaires. But now it's just the billionaires who are to blame for your problem. Not everyone with money is evil, of course, but, you know, they do make a good scapegoat. But just how much money is F.U. money and is having it really such a bad thing? You know, there is another verse in Scripture that's often misunderstood, and that's from the book of Mark, where it says, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I say that is misunderstood because it makes people believe that rich people automatically are doomed to not go to heaven and that acquiring wealth is somehow a bad thing to do. But I do think the lesson there was that Christ was teaching was how people tend to trust their riches rather than look to their God. I don't believe it says anything about how being wealthy is an eternal death sentence automatically, but again, in this world, people do use it as an idol and as a weapon. But what happens when the system uses their influence against you? What happens when you get into trouble legally speaking or when the court system comes down upon you? You know, the justice system in America is heavily influenced by the financial matrix. And we have seen time and time again when the courts are tied up with litigation and the lawyers seem to be milking their clients and consequently is the people who have more money that seem to escape the penalties. For some reason, the rich don't spend as much time in prison as the poor people do. You know, once again, this could be seen as unfair or oppressive, and I will admit that in some cases it is. But what about that person who is wrongly accused? What happens when the state comes down on an innocent person, and because that person has no resources or has limited resources, or they can't afford to pay for legal defense? In that situation, having at least enough to defend oneself is extremely important. Sometimes these cases continue on for weeks or months or even years, and though they don't often all the way go to a decision from a judge, there is a settlement process. And most of the time, these settlements aren't reached until money is already burnt up in the litigation process. So having at least some amount of money to protect oneself in this legal system, I think, is a very smart thing to do. Now, let's talk a minute here about the current state of the world. You know, sometimes we need to step back and stop thinking in the arbitrary terminology of what ought to be. We need to remove ourselves from our philosophies and our religious understandings and truly deal with what is, what is actually happening. Apart from the way we want things to be, we need to understand the way things actually are. You know, there's a lot of bad stuff happening in the world today, and if you can't see that, then there's no way I could ever get you to understand what I'm talking about here. Uh, Some religious will say that despite the world crashing down over us, people should look to Christ to save them. And while that's true to some degree, I've also heard that people believe that God will save those who save themselves. And what does that mean? Well, what I think it means is that God wants us to use our knowledge, our skills, and our resources to overcome challenges that are in front of us. He doesn't want us to walk around like automatons following only His commandments and never be a benefit to others. We're, we're here, we're supposed to serve one another, to bless one another, to help them from their prisons and to feed the hungry and so forth. Which by the way, if we cannot feed ourselves because we are so destitute, then how could we ever help another person? That is in essence why people need to get out of debt and save their money for short term and long term purposes. And then there's the issue of freedom. Personally, I believe that God is ultimately the arbiter of freedom and that looking to him will provide freedom in many ways. But again, we live in a fallen world. We are under a rulership of kings and queens and magistrates and presidents and and all kinds of tyranny. And what seems more and more the case these days is that the influence of mob rule and the dictates of those who want to use political correctness to enforce their way of life upon us. And they are taking away our freedom. I used to say liberty, but that's such a loaded term these days, especially by these mob mentality types of people who scream that their liberty is somehow threatened because we don't share their ideologies or their belief system or their understanding of science or how our thoughts, words, and actions have somehow given them the right to use violence against us. So now how does this relate to Joe Rogan and to the Freedom Convoy? Well, everyone knows this term called cancel culture. It isn't a new thing. We've seen it happening for quite a few years now, and it doesn't just come from the left, but also from the right. It's when a person of influence says the wrong thing or uses words that are hurtful or offensive or what is now being labeled as misinformation. You know, That person gets their content deleted or taken down from these platforms or fired from their position of influence just to please the crowd. In many cases, when this happens, a person's livelihood could be destroyed. Their source of income is taken away from them. They're not allowed to work anymore. Basically, that person is punished and seemingly banned from society. Well, then what happens? You know, in this technological world, that could basically be a death sentence just because that person is guilty of wrong think. Okay, so let's discuss these truckers in Canada. First off, in no way am I against their actions. They're protesting. I, I think that they have a right to protest. They're, they're certainly in the right to object to forcing any kind of pharmaceutical product into their bodies just in order to be able to work. I, I'm completely against any kind of forced vaccination mandates for that reason and for any reason. You know, there's all kinds of slippery slopes that a government action like this can lead to. It's wrong. It's unsafe. And I think there should be more people protesting this kind of action by the government. Now, from what I understand of this situation, there are thousands of these truckers who have essentially disrupted normal everyday life in the capital of Canada. I guess that's Ottawa, in what's being called a Freedom Convoy. These truckers have uh, blocked much of the public parking areas, some of the roadways, and literally they're uh, leaving their trucks in, in the middle of the city, thousands of them, and uh, they're just honking their horns in protest, nonviolently, of course, But uh, certainly they're making a point that they are not in favor of the vaccination mandates and in fact have said that they want to stay where they're at in protest until the laws in Canada are changing. So now here's the thing. This convoy, I guess, was put together by a woman up in Canada somewhere and uh, the news was spread like wildfire all over the country and much faster and to a larger degree than was originally expected. Uh, the organizer, I guess, put up a donation website on GoFundMe to raise money for these truckers under protest. Now, this website, to my knowledge, was originally set up for content creators and entrepreneurs and those who wanted to crowdsource resources for specific projects. And uh, and, you know, sadly, I've seen it also used for emergency reasons, like uh, if there was a death in the family, people would use GoFundMe accounts to raise money for a funeral or some other final expense in lieu of life insurance. Now, while that bugs me a lot, it's really neither here nor there. For the matter of this conversation, this specific money was raised for the purpose of supporting a group of blue-collar workers, ones whose labor is absolutely important to the supply chain of both Canada and the United States. You know, these protesters who are demanding their government ends what they consider to be damaging to their civil liberties, and it is, they need money that was raised to continue their cause. Now, I don't know exactly what the money would be used for, but I imagine it's to cover the daily expenses of staying in a city under protest. You know, for things like food and beverage and, and blankets and, and fuel for their trucks so they can keep them running. I mean, it's like zero degrees up in Ottawa, Canada, so uh, they're not up there protesting and freezing their hynes their off. But, uh, you know, since they've declared that they're not ending the protest until changes take place. I also imagine that some of this money will be used to replace the income that they're not earning while they are under protest. And, you know, believe me, truck drivers make decent money. So uh, when they don't work, the bills still need to be paid. But you know what the real evil in this story is? The thing that just upsets me beyond measure and so many people about this is not the fact that the government is mandating vaccinations. I mean, that certainly is evil in itself. But the real evil is the way, the cowardly way, that Trudeau and many of the leaders in what should be a free country have now labeled this group of ordinary blue-collar workers as a fringe group consisting of supremacists and domestic terrorists. Actually, that's not even the most evil thing. The most evil thing is that this company most assuredly is getting pressured by the government and as a result has decided that the convoy is not adhering to the terms of the contract for GoFundMe accounts and now they are refusing to release it to the organizers who are funding this protest. Essentially, there is about $10 million raised by ordinary citizens from all over Canada and the United States that has been stolen because it was not provided to the right people. What that means is that the political differences between the government and this big technology company are being leveraged against regular citizens who are simply using their right to protest. And from what I've heard, the lawsuits against GoFundMe are causing them to issue refunds, but what the contract says is that any return of donation money could take 7 to 10 business days to be returned. What this company is trying to do is starve out the protesters by keeping their money or redirecting it to a place of their own desire. I mean, that has got to be illegal, but in today's upside-down world, there's no problem here. They have a right to not support terrorism. So, as we can plainly see here, the very money that is being used as a tool to support a righteous cause is also being weaponized against ordinary people. And believe me, it's not just GoFundMe that is doing this. There are a myriad of other companies that are acting and most likely will act like this. What's scary is that as we see the development of digital money, this is something that will happen more and more. What does it take for a large technology company or a bank or some branch of the government to shut off access to someone's money, and destroy the lives of people. And not just because they were acting under protest, but perhaps because they didn't vote for the right person, or again said something or posted something on social media that the powers that be didn't like. I mean, this is a really scary situation. Now, here's where I'm going to get a chuckle, and I really just want to slap the reality into some people. I see all these Bitcoin enthusiasts saying that blockchain system, that could never happen because there's no way for the government to prevent transactions from taking place. I mean, yes, they're right. But I think so many of these people live in a cult-like state of euphoria where what they're doing is ignoring the real world. Yes, Bitcoin has a potential to help people escape the financial matrix. There are wonderful benefits to Bitcoin. I'm not going to get into all of them right now. I mean, it can't get regulated. It can't be confiscated. It solves all kinds of problems monetarily. But you know what it can't do? I mean, what it can't do like right now, today? It can't get that truck driver a hamburger to feed himself while he stays inside his truck. It can't be used to refuel his trailer with diesel so he keeps warm. Bitcoin cannot be used to pay the electric company or the water company or the daycare expenses while the father of a family is protesting for his own rights while mommy is staying at home to raise the kitties. Now, I know there's tons of Bitcoin enthusiasts out there who's going to reject this notion and say, you're wrong. And, you know, they could do this with that account and and, and this with another account and convert Bitcoin into dollars as needed, yada, yada, yada. But I'm sorry, You're wrong. Crypto technology is not quite there yet, and transaction is a lot harder than most people suppose. It's not so easily accessible to everybody, not under immediate circumstances like today. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not a very strong case for Bitcoin and other cryptos in the future, but right now, what these truckers need immediately is liquidity and funds available. And when big tech or the government interjects and stops those funds from transactioning, we're going to see what could potentially become a really violent moment. But, you know, maybe that's what the government wants. Maybe that's their intention. Again, they are using money as a weapon. But you want to know what could prevent such violence, like, immediately? What happens when some billionaire with fu money says, you know what, I'll provide the resources that these truckers need. Instead of donations from the thousands or hundreds of thousands of ordinary people, one guy says, I got your back. I support your cause. I want to give you all the resources you need. He has so much money that there's no possible way for the government to confiscate it. There's no way that the government can put on enough pressure to demand that a website be shut down. There is virtually nothing that the government can do to stop these resources from flowing to the right people. And that's the power and the protection that FU money could have in this case. And now let's flip the script back to Joe Rogan. You know, the mob is doing everything they can to silence this guy we are seeing multiple artists come out and threaten to remove themselves from Spotify if that company doesn't just silence their biggest podcaster. And realistically, if Spotify, who happened to give Joe Rogan a $100 contract for exclusivity, if they just decided they were losing more money because of these other artists are making so much noise, the company would rather just pay off the contract and and remove Joe, Joe Rogan's content. There's no reason why they couldn't or why they wouldn't. I mean, we're already seeing them remove other episodes from their playlist. But, uh, you know, we're seeing Joe begin to kowtow to this mob. He's now coming out and apologizing for his past content and his use of bad language and so forth. I don't really understand the reason for this, but I do know that this is not a good move for Rogan to make. I mean, this mob is so relentless that once they smell blood in the water, or in other words, once they can force someone to change their speech habits or, or make someone feel good because you know they were offended they're never gonna stop I mean we've seen this in the past we've seen it happen to so many other influencers and and, you know eventually people just become blacklisted now I personally don't think that Joe Rogan will actually be removed from Spotify but he could and fortunately for him his audience is big enough that they could just follow him anywhere I mean he easily could find another outlet that doesn't sacrifice him to the mob and he would just be as powerful as he is now. But does he have enough leverage and FU money to do this? I mean, if he does, then why is he placating these people? And maybe there's some language in that $100 million contract that says he actually has something to lose. I don't know. But here's an idea I heard from another influencer named Patrick Bett David. If you're not familiar with Bet David, you can find him on most media platforms and on YouTube. He has a very large and powerful financial services company he runs with, and uh, his media company called ValueTainment is, uh, is pretty big too. But here's what Bette David said. He said Rogan should team up with Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and create a media company that is so large that it essentially eats the lunch of every other company out there. And they can do it too. Uh, Bet David said that Musk could easily pay Joe Rogan $50 million a year to keep doing what he's doing for the next 20 years. Essentially, Rogan can make a billion dollars, which Musk could easily do, and then there's no power that can stop him whatsoever. I mean, that's the real power of F.U. money right there. What it does is it provides freedom of speech and a resource to keep different viewpoints that governments are trying to silence from getting to regular people. So if you have enough money, you can say F.U. to the powers that be, And that's a pretty good place to be. I don't don't really see that being a, a bad thing in this fallen world that we live in. So I guess I'll wrap it up with this thought. I mean, I understand what people are trying to say when they say that money corrupts because it can and it does. And in most cases, in reality, I really should say there are not too many people in this world who will ever have that kind of wealth where they have true freedom, absolute freedom, and absolute power. And I also don't suppose that every person that has this kind of power is an evil person. You know, it's just the world we live in. I mean, I don't know the intention that everyone who builds up their F.U. money account, I certainly can't say they're not going to go to heaven or anything like that, and I can honestly say that much good can be used with this kind of resource. In some cases, as we see, this kind of thing can be used defensively as a tool against what would be used as a weapon. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is. We each need to understand what money is, what it can be used for, and how it can better our lives in this world. I will say the same thing whether we're talking about fiat currency or gold or bitcoin or whatever. We should think about saving enough so maybe we can say F you to that boss we don't like. Or we can say, no, I'm not going to be forced to use that pharmaceutical product. Or I will not be silenced because I have a right to say what I feel and I feel that my opinions are just as valid as the next guy. You know, I'm going to do my best to earn an honest living, but I won't be chastised because I found a way to grow my wealth to keep it for my personal or political reasons. I know that God looks at the attention of our hearts as well as the actions in our lives. You know, he sees the resources that we have and and how we have multiplied those talents. And as the word is described in the book of Matthew, to make other talents, to serve my fellow man and to protect myself, my family or my countryman, if that's my thing. Maybe I'll never have F.U. money as is defined by people like Elon Musk. But, you know, I'm going to do my best to live the kind of life that will ease my suffering in this fallen world. And I'm going to use that money the way it was meant to be used, as a tool and not as an idol. So furthermore, anyone who is interested, continue coming back to this program as I'm going to continue providing tips about how to become unconquerable. I will be discussing a new money seminar that a partner of mine and I have put together, and we're going to release sometime in the very near future. I know I said that in the past, but as things are starting to normalize for me again, I'm going to be sure to provide the details. It's probably going to be released sometime in March, and if you don't want to miss it, uh, just continue to keep listening so you can get the details. Well, that's all i got to say for now. You know, In the meantime, continue staying busy, stay peaceful, and most importantly, stay free. It was very great talking to you today, and I wish you the best. Have a good one, and we'll see you next week.